episode 25. Welcome to the podcast, Life of Awesome. My name is Saul Blinkoff. I'm a husband, father of four, and director-producer who works for some of the top studios in Hollywood, including Disney, DreamWorks, and Netflix. My goal? Simple. I want to live the best life I possibly can, and I want the same for you. I travel the world talking about life, and if there's one thing I've learned, every single person on the planet wants the exact same thing. We don't want a life of good. We don't want a life of great. We want a life of awesome. I really want to thank you for being here today listening. I realize there are so many podcasts out there, and I really appreciate you giving me the most valuable thing that you have, your time. If you like the podcast, please hit the subscribe button, give us a rating, a review, and of course, share it with your family and friends. That said, let's get into it. I live in L.A., And while California is one of the most beautiful places you can live, I mean, the California coastline is seriously unbelievable. It has gorgeous coastal towns like Carmel, Big Sur, Sonoma. But what LA doesn't have is seasons. It's basically 70 to 80 degrees here all year. And I grew up in New York and my favorite season was definitely the fall. That crisp fall weather, beautiful foliage, cozy sweaters, hot chocolate, and especially Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is without a doubt one of my favorite American holidays. I mean, the food, it's all comfort food, right? Sliced hot turkey with cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes, gravy, stuffing. But the best part of it for me wasn't even the food at all. Was It was the one time of year our entire family would come together. My grandparents, uncles, aunts, all my cousins would drive to New York from Philadelphia, and we would sit and have the best dinner. We would play charades after for hours, and then we'd all go into the den and watch the best Thanksgiving movie ever made. Maybe the only Thanksgiving movie ever made, other than, of course, those uh, Snoopy and Charlie Brown Thanksgiving specials. The movie was Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. This movie was released in the fall of 1987, directed by John Hughes. He directed The Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, Uncle Buck, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And Planes, Trains, and Automobiles starred Steve Martin and John Candy. And I think what makes John Hughes' film so endearing is while we are laughing so much, he gives us a window into ourselves. And he always has some depth of emotion where he's really sharing with us a powerful message, sharing with us wisdom for life. To this day, I have watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles every year at Thanksgiving with my wife and kids and whatever other family and friends we are lucky enough to share the holiday with. Of course, there's a couple of scenes that I would not categorize as language appropriate. So I edited what I call the kosher version of the film to make it more family friendly. And if you haven't seen the film, this is definitely the time to go see it. And in this film, Steve Martin plays an advertising executive named Neil Page. And in the opening of the scene, Neil is on a business trip to New York City. And he finally gets out of that business meeting. It goes too long. He has to rush to the airport to make his flight home to Chicago and get there hopefully before Thanksgiving, which is two days away. Even his colleague tells him as he's rushing to the elevator, take the next flight out with me. You're not going to make it. You'll never make the sit. 
But he rushes anyway, tries to grab a cab at rush hour in New York City, which is basically impossible. And Neil can't get a cab during rush hour. Miraculously, he finally is about to get into one. And it is seemingly stolen by John Candy's character, Del Griffith. And Dell is a traveling shower curtain ring salesman. Does not have a very glamorous job. When Neil does finally get to the airport, he's sitting at the gate for the flight. And who was sitting right across from him? The guy that stole his cab, Dell Griffith. I know you, don't I? I'm usually very good with names, but I'll be damned if I haven't forgotten yours. You stole my cab. <laughs> I've never stole anything in my life. I hailed a cab on Park Avenue this afternoon, and uh, before I could get in it, you stole it. Come to think of it, it was awful easy to get a cab during rush hour. So Dell realizes right away the mistake that he made earlier, and he apologizes. I am sorry. I had no idea that was your cab. Let me make it up to you somehow, huh, please? How about a nice hot dog and a beer? Uh, no thanks. Just a hot dog, then. I'm kind of picky about what I eat. Some coffee? No. Milk? No. Soda? No. Some tea? No. Lifesavers? No. Slurpee? Then they finally board the flight, and luck would have it, who is Neil going to be sitting right next to? Is this a coincidence or what? (laughs) Have a seat. That's right, Del Griffith. And I can tell you as a person that flies, I fly a lot for work, Del is the last guy you would ever want to be sitting next to on a plane. And Neil just wants to sit quietly, read his article, but all Dell wants to do is talk his ear off. So what do you do for a living, Neil Page? Marketing. Marketing. Super. Super. Fabulous. Isn't that nice? Uh, look, I don't want to be rude, but uh, I'm not much of a conversationalist, and I'd really like to finish this article. A friend of mine wrote it, so... Don't let me stand in your way. Please don't let me stand in your way. The last thing I want to be remembered as is an annoying blabbermouth. <laughs> You know, nothing grinds my gears worse than some chowder head who doesn't know when to keep his big trap shut. You catch me running off of the mouth, just give me a poke in the chops. The flight continues, and Dell is just the worst guy you could ever sit next to. All right, he, like, falls asleep and leans his head on Neil's shoulder. He takes off his smelly socks and shakes them out so his feet can air out. And Neil is just constantly fed up. Well, their plane is eventually diverted to Wichita, Kansas, because there's a terrible blizzard in Chicago. And at the airport, Neil is trying to book a local hotel, but every hotel room is full. And Del Griffith notices that Neil is out of luck and offers to have him share a hotel room with him because he got the last room from a guy that he once sold shower curtain rings to. So Neil reluctantly accepts. What's he going to do? He's not going to sleep in the airport. So they share this small hotel room with one bed, like a one queen size bed. And Dell is more disgusting in the hotel room than he was on the plane, right? He leaves his underwear in the sink. He uses all the bath towels before Neil can take a shower, eventually causes a beer can to explode on the bed that they're forced to sleep on. One thing leads to another, and Neil finally can't stand it anymore. He jumps out of bed and basically verbally attacks Dell for everything that has annoyed him since the moment they met. And Dell points out Neil's flaw right away. You're not a very tolerant person. Look, you've been under my skin since New York, starting with ripping off my cab. Oh, and hostile too. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. That's borderline criminal. You spilled beer all over the bed, you smoke, you, you, you mess up the bathroom. Well, who told you to book a room? I did, out of the goodness of my dumb old heart. And then Neil goes for it. He starts attacking Dell's character. You're no saint. You got a free cab, you got a free room. 
And someone who'll listen to your boring stories. I mean, didn't you, didn't you notice on the plane when you started talking, eventually I started reading the vomit bag? Didn't that give you some sort of clue, like, hey, maybe this guy's not enjoying it? You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. You choose things that are, that are funny or, or mildly amusing or interesting. You're a miracle. Your stories have none of that. They're not even amusing accidentally. Honey, I'd, li I'd like you to meet Del Griffith. He's got some amusing anecdotes for you. I, I, I could tolerate any, any insurance seminar. For days, I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. They'd say, how can you stand it? And I'd say, because I've been with Del Griffith. I can take anything. You know what they'd say? They'd say, I know what you mean. The shower curtain ring guy. Whoa. It's, it's like going on a date with a chatty Kathy doll. I expect you to have a little string on your chest, you know, that I pull out and have to snap back. Except I wouldn't pull it out and snap it back. You would. And by the way, you know, when you're, when you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. And we see Dell's face. He is hurt deeply. And he responds. You want to hurt me? Go right ahead if it makes you feel any better. I'm an easy target. Yeah, you're right. I talk too much. I also listen too much. I could be a cold-hearted cynic like you. But I don't like to hurt people's feelings. Well, you think what you want about me. I'm not changing. I like, I like me. My wife likes me. My customers like me. Because I'm the real article. What you see is what you get. Neil realizes that maybe he was a little too harsh on Dell. He decides to stick it out with him for the night. But now we have a new window into Neil Page. He's a bit arrogant, and he has a cynical perspective of the world. And throughout their journey over the next two days to get home, Neil is constantly reactive. And even though they have a few laughs along the way, he still would rather be as far away from Del Griffith as possible. And look, we're sympathetic for the challenges that Neil has to endure. Del is a slob. Neil got stuck during holiday travel hell. The airline screwed him out of a first class seat. The car rental place left him stranded in the middle of nowhere. And he's not wrong. He's just cynical. In other words, he's ungrateful. Finally, after their insane adventure, they get to Chicago, and Neil says goodbye, and they part ways for good. It's been great meeting you, Neil. It really has. Again, I'm sorry if I caused you any trouble. Oh, no, you didn't cause me any trouble. You got me home. And uh, a little late. A couple days. But uh, I'm a little wiser, too. So, Give my love to the family, will you? Same to you. Maybe I'll get a chance to meet him one day. Okay. And uh, you have a happy Thanksgiving. Hey, you know it. <laughs> Neil gets on a local train line that's going to take him home just a couple of stops away. And he's finally sitting alone on the train and he's reflecting on the journey that he's just experienced. And as he remembers these crazy times with Dell and all the things that Dell did to annoy him, he starts to smile. You ever go through that in life? Like you're in the moment, it's terrible, it's difficult. And then later, you've had a moment to stop and reflect on what you did. You can start to smile at it. You can laugh about it now. You know that expression, oh, we'll laugh about this someday. And that's when Neil finally learns the message of the film. And he realizes what we, the audience, should have realized the whole 
movie. Don't worry, I'm not going to spoil the film's ending for you guys. On the outside, this film is a comedy about two guys trying to get home for Thanksgiving dinner. But if you look closely, you will find that it's really a poignant story about acceptance. It's about learning to find the best in someone and reaching out to help someone in need. You see, Neil assumes so much about Del Griffith, but it turns out that Del is lonely, sad, and desperate for friendship. Truthfully, the whole theme of this movie is simply don't judge people. We actually get a story here that reframes the holiday of Thanksgiving itself. This isn't a story about a man trying to get home to his family. This is a story of a man trying to get back to himself. We need to make an effort to see people the way they really are, not who we think they are. What the movie is actually saying is, yeah, from time to time, we need to be reminded to connect with our fellow humans. Otherwise, we will end up like Neil Page, arrogant, cynical, angry and ungrateful. It's not enough for us to go through life only focused on our own story. There is genuine sadness in the world. It's so easy to be cold and distance ourselves from the problems of others. People all around us are in pain and we need to notice that pain and not be so quick to judge others. Look, we all know being judgmental isn't a trait we admire in a person. We hate it when people judge us. And so often in life, we're quick to condemn others for being too judgmental. But in truth, how often are we guilty of doing that very same thing to strangers, people we work with, friends, family, and even our spouses and our children? There's a piece of Jewish wisdom that dates back almost 2,000 years. And it tells us that we are obligated to judge all people favorably. One of your friends says they're going to call you right back, and they don't. Instead of getting angry... Take a moment and say, you know what, maybe they were about to call me back, but an important phone call came in that they just couldn't get off of. We have to make an effort to try to give that person the benefit of the doubt. Look, you can hear this episode and be like, yeah, judging others is wrong. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there I know who should hear this. I'll send this episode to this person and that person because I know that they judge me and I should send it to them. But the truth is, look, all of us need to hear this. And in order to really become less judgmental, we need to stop applying a double standard. You ever been driving your car and you see someone next to you and they're texting and you're like, I cannot believe that person. They could kill people. They're murderers. And we start swearing at them and thinking all these terrible things. And it's true. It's very dangerous to text and drive and they should not be doing that. But really, you never did that either. You never got a text from your boss and just looked at it just for a second. You were never late to something and said, well, you know, I'll just just text one word, just one word. Because it's me. I can do it. I can drive safely. Realize that we would probably do the same thing. Realize that we probably do the same thing. You're in a conversation with someone. Someone else comes in and cuts you off. You get interrupted. You get all upset at that person. What? You've never interrupted anybody? We need to extend people the same leniency that we want them to give us. Here's another tool. Don't judge your friend until you reach his place. Otherwise said, don't judge your friend until you've walked a mile in his shoes. And most likely, if we were in their shoes, we might make the same choice they made. Don't judge. Never judge things by their appearance. Even carpet bags. I'm sure I never do. And the third tool is realize that you don't know the whole story. Hopefully, there is no jury in the world that would declare a judgment based on a lack of complete evidence. But yet we do it all the time, don't we? 
We see someone do something wrong. We immediately decide, oh, they're guilty. But we don't know the background of the situation or the context of that person's circumstances or challenges. You know what we need to do in that moment? We need to step back and be a little humble and admit, you know what? I don't know the whole story. Just that tool right there saying that, I don't know the whole story. That will probably save us from judgments that are too extreme and probably wrong. I remember many years ago, you know, we have four kids. And when my oldest was little, she came home from school one day. She said some kid bullied her, did something. I don't remember what the story was. And I was livid. And I was about to call the principal and call the kid's parents. And thank God I was brilliant and called up one of my mentors before I called the kid's school or their parents. And my mentor gave me one of the greatest pieces of advice I ever got. He said, how do you know what happened? Just because your daughter said that that happened doesn't mean it did. And I was like, wait, what are you suggesting? She lied to me? He said, no, I'm not suggesting she lied, but realize that your daughter is explaining the circumstances through her own lens. And when you call the parents... Instead of being confrontational, let them first know that this is what your daughter said happened, and it may not be what actually happened. Can I tell you when I called that kid's parents that that put the parents so at ease? They weren't even defensive. They actually thanked me for the call. Just recently, one of my kids called me from school in tears. One of the other kids in their class had been messing with their stuff on their desk. My kid was feeling bullied, and I wanted to go into that school and grab that kid and shake him and say, don't you ever touch my kid again, but you can't do that. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to call their parents right now. I'm going to call the school right now. And I called the kid's father, and the father confided in me that he was going through an extremely painful divorce. And that his kid wasn't really dealing well with it. And right away, I sympathized with this dad and with his kid. I was much more understanding. Unfortunately, many people actually feel pleasure when they negatively judge others. It makes them feel better about themselves. German theologian monk Martin Luther said, quote, Be careful not to measure your holiness by other people's sins. In other words, Just because other people are bad, that doesn't mean you're good by comparison. Our individual potential isn't rated against others. We all have our own unique potential for greatness outside of what others around us achieve or don't achieve. And if you're a God-fearing person, you'll know that God will handle them. And you focus on you. Dale Carnegie had a great quote. Even God doesn't propose to judge a man till his last days. Why should you and I? Tupac sang about it. Only God can judge me. That right. Only God, baby. You know, when we hear the phrase, judge all people favorably, what it really means is judge all of a person favorably. Meaning we don't have to focus on the one wrong thing that person did and let that person be defined by that one action. Rather, we need to try and look at the entire person. See, this will allow us to see the person's negative action or mistake within the context of the entire person, including all their positive character traits and the good deeds they perform too, not just focusing on their mistake. This is an incredibly powerful tool. And listen carefully. You can forget everything I've said up until right now. If you walk away with this tool, your life will be better. I promise you. Your relationships will be better. The tool is when someone mistreats us, 
when someone we love mistreats us, makes a mistake, our spouse, our kid, our parents, anybody, a friend, make sure we don't lose sight of all of their actions. This person is genuinely always trying to do the right thing and and they love us. So let's be a little forgiving. This is looking at a person's track record. And if they have a really good track record, we have to take that into account. I've been married almost 20 years and my wife and I have a, a custom that I'm going to tell you, some of you may think this is corny, you might laugh at this, but when one of us goes to brush our teeth, if we see that the other one hasn't brushed their teeth yet, while we're putting toothpaste on our own toothbrush, we will toothpaste the other person's toothbrush and get it ready for them. And then like we would say to each other, oh, honey, thanks for pasting me. That's a, that was our phrase. Well, what would happen if my wife just brushed her teeth, walks out of the bathroom, I walk in and I see that there's my toothbrush with no paste on it. I could be upset. How come she didn't give me paste? Now, you could laugh at that when you hear it, but there are people out there that get upset over things that insignificant. They let their egos get in the way. And I could be thinking in my head, who was she not to give me paste? And when I come out of the bathroom, instead of being kind to her, loving to her, I could sit down and eat dinner that she just made, and I could choose not to thank her for making dinner because I'm holding a grudge. Then she's like, wait a minute, I just made him this dinner. He didn't even thank me. Now she holds a grudge against me. And then we're not talking the whole night. And then we don't talk for a week, and then there goes divorce. It happens every day, people. But now go back to toothpaste moment. You know what could have happened? She could have forgot. Instead of judging the moment, I have the opportunity to look at the entire history. She's given me paste every day for 20 years. So she forgot one. Big deal. I can put toothpaste on my own toothbrush. It's not that hard. Why would I judge her as a person that doesn't love me when she shows me love so many different ways? You don't look at the isolated incident. You look at the whole person. Well, what about the person that has the bad track record that constantly makes these mistakes? We should still take a moment and try and understand their behavior and see what we can do to help them and to be more understanding. When we don't think badly about others, we won't act badly towards others. Boom. Inspirational quote of the week. Author, artist, and photographer Do Zantamata, she says, quote, It's easy to judge. It's more difficult to understand. Understanding requires compassion, patience, and a willingness to believe that good hearts sometimes choose poor methods. Through judging, we separate. Through understanding, we grow. So many times we have these lists of things that we're making these judgments of people all around us every moment. People we work with, our family, every moment, these little judgments going on in our minds. We should, instead of judging them, take that energy and work on ourselves. Work on becoming more patient, more humble. And yes, strangers will drive us crazy sometimes. Our spouses, our friends, our kids, they will drive us crazy sometimes. Just like we will drive them crazy sometimes. But if we truly want relationships that are real, relationships that help us grow as a human being, it's up to us to not be arrogant and cynical, but to be grateful. Because that will elevate our relationships. To not be good, to not be great, they will be awesome. Thank you so much for being here today listening. I really appreciate you spending your time with me. 
please, again, subscribe, like us, rate us, review us, share us with your family and friends. And I truly hope that each and every one of you has an incredible life and not just a life that's good and not just a life that's great, but that each and every one of you has a life of awesome. Pillows. Those aren't pillows. Ah! Ow! 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 <laughs>